Hi, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank everybody for joining me today. Uh, in case you're not familiar with me, my name is Dee, and this is my podcast, Let Me Clear My Throat. I apologize um, if I sound a little distorted. I had surgery done on my mouth, and um, I'm still recuperating from that a little bit and learning how to talk again. So I apologize ahead of time for my speech. Um, anyway, that being said, um, please feel free to check out my other podcasts as well. Today's topic is called Sticks and Stones May Break My Bones, but that doesn't mean you have to use them on me. And um, before we get into discussing this, I would like to mention my disclaimer that I usually try to put at the beginning. So sometimes when you hear my podcast, it might sound repetitive in the beginning um, because some things may sound the same each time. Um, but I like to do a little disclaimer in the beginning because we all have um, some uh, negative people in the world, of you, if you will, that get offended so easily um, about every little bitty thing and dissect everything because for whatever reason. But um, anyway... <clears throat> My topic today, excuse me, is geared towards a level that I don't think, um, personally, I don't believe has been viewed enough. Um, I have unfortunately been a part of this myself in my life um, many times, and I understand that this is a very deep subject and an emotional topic, and I am by no means whatsoever am I trying to downplay or play with any of the trauma or stir anything up with your PTSD or any everlasting effects that you have had to come over, overcome with any loss, heartache, or anything uh, associated with it um, for you or anybody that you love um, or know of. Um, I give my wholehearted condolences to everyone that has suffered uh, a personal effect and loss due to any event or events that have related to this sensitive and very overwhelming heartbreaking experience to go through, witness, or hear of. I hope that you do not take any what I am saying as a personal attack on your grief at all. And um, I hope you feel that I am trying to help you or um, actually just spread the word and get it out there. Um, and talked about more, and that I am not purposely trying to stir up what you are already trying to cope with. Um, I pray that what I am trying to express will come over as sensitive yet informative as possible, and I pray wholeheartedly that it will raise some much-needed attention to get some questions and hopefully even maybe even save some lives, maybe even your own. Um, our. Like I said, this is a very difficult subject, and um, I will apologize ahead of time if at any time during this I get emotional because I have went through firsthand um, very hardly domestic abuse. <clears throat> um, I would also like to go on to say that um, if any reason um, you feel that you need to reach out to me, um, please feel free to do so. I will be happy to share your story or talk to you. I have no problem with that. The more that we talk about things and unite together, the better off we are on making a difference in the world. And it shouldn't have to just take one person doing a podcast when it is a group of people that it matters. 
as a unity, we are all one. And as a unity, we need to stand together as one, especially to fight things that matter the most. Our lives, our sanity, our well-being, and everything else in between. Um, <clears throat> I have created this site to touch base on those things of what I feel that others may feel, may want to say, wish they could say, knew how to say, or maybe others would say more often. Or hope that somebody can hear them for the things that they don't say, but feel. I do personally understand that my thoughts, words, or even my research ethics and my own personal experiences may be taken in many ways and may not meet everyone's approval or understanding. And I respect that. <clears throat> However, I would like to express my deepest respect for your First Amendment right, and I hope that you do so as well for mine. <clears throat> I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm not to comp trying to compromise anybody, nor am I not willing to correct myself when I am knowingly in the wrong. I have been through a lot, <laughs> a lot of things, a lot of similar experiences in my life as a child and as an adult that, I re that have resulted dramatically in trauma throughout my entire life and well-being. I am not trying to lessen the devastation <clears throat> that you are going through. Instead, I'm trying to bring attention to it, but doing so in a way that is not going to make you feel like you are going through the abuse all over again and sending you into another deep, dark place that you have fought so hard or to continue to fight so hard to get through. But if you are a person that is going through something, <clears throat> please know that there are people that are out there that can help you. And even though you may feel stuck, overwhelmed, or ashamed, or maybe even blaming yourself in one way or another, please know that there are people, many people, unfortunately, unfortunately, there are many people in the world that have gone through similar situations, worse situations, or have the resources to help you, even if they've never personally been through it at all. There are people that dedicate their lives and their careers helping people in situations as your own. I do empathize with others, and I understand that there are many, many multiple sides to every story and multiple triggers that lead unintentionally to areas that I personally have firsthandly encountered in my life on a lot of them, but not in the way that you have. And in your own particular scenario, in your own life. However, in writing this, I am also putting my own personal life and triggers out there. And talking about things that I have not gone really into detail much with my own mind for several years. And um, I had a um, somebody that I knew, I currently still know, somebody that I know once told me that a mind is a terrible thing to taste. That is true. But a mind is also a terrible thing to waste. So when somebody manipulates your mind, that's a lot to chew on. And sometimes it's a lot to swallow and sometimes that's what suffocates you and kills you. So know that you matter and know that you are not alone. And I'm going to repeat that multiple times and hope that you will understand that Hear that, but more so 
feel it, embrace it, and survive from it. <clears throat> I speak on topics that I am passionate about or feel the need to be made more passionate focus. My thoughts, my questions, my concerns, my feelings, and my very lack of understanding, it's a lot of things, hugely play a role in all that I do, I say, and I am. I'm a very passionate and caring person, and I take you, myself, our nation, God, and everything in between very seriously. I am not here to patronize anybody, nor is it to state that I am an opinionated person that is not willing to listen to you or try to understand you. I respect your experiences, your opinions, your feelings, and your well-being. And most importantly, I respect your personal space. I do not, nor will I ever, go out of my way to personally, intentionally hurt anybody, let alone you. Now, today's topic again is called Sticks and Stones May Break My Bones. That doesn't mean you have to use them on me. There's a lot of information in here and a lot of resources that I will go over at the end of this. So feel free to have a pen and paper in hand if you need. Um, and you can stop and pause however you, you need to do it. But I'm just letting you know I do have a lot of resources on this and a lot of information. And it's a lot to take in. Um, so even if you feel like you have to hear this multiple times to gather information you need to, there's no shame in that. Pop your earbuds in if you need to and um, soak up what you need to um, in order to survive, even if you're surviving your own mind. Um, I will let everybody know that this will probably be very lengthy. Um... As I have this typed up, because it is a lot of information, although I do go off script a lot because I just start talking, which is really actually the way it needs to be, but I have my notes um, to keep me on track because sometimes I do, um, I do get going on things, especially when I'm passionate about it, and I don't want to say I lose focus, but um, I like to also be able to give the information that I have written down. So I do let you know ahead of time, this is a very lengthy podcast. My pages are about 18 pages long, typed up, single-spaced, <laughs> but um, a lot of it also is also resources, so just uh, letting you know ahead of time. <clears throat> and there is a lot of necessary facts that I feel need to be addressed, and I will also have, like I said, this information, and feel free to jot it down, share it, um, and you can obviously pause, rewind, excuse me, and take notes where you need them to be. <clears throat> A great deal of the following information and research comes from a, a website that I came across. While most of this information I'm going to give you does come from this website, I felt that making sure you had the facts and also giving credit to where credit is necessary and due would be more um, morally respectful and also be a lot more life-saving than doing otherwise. They obviously had dedicated a lot of time, resources, and manpower to provide this information. And this is a very, very nice, organized website. And I invite everybody to check it out. Um, and I would like to thank the ncadv.org. That's N as in Nancy, C as in cat, A as in apple, D as in David, 
vsnvictor.org for having an amazing and very well organized website. I would also like to thank them for dedicating themselves to this very important area. I hope that I will be able to give your website and many victims it pertains to the justice it so deserves. Domestic violence is a fact. Explanation point. It is a fact. Domestic violence is serious. Domestic violence is overlooked. Domestic violence is misunderstood. Domestic violence is not understood enough. Domestic violence is judged. And domestic violence in some cases are even fatal. It is a fact. It is serious. It's overlooked. It's misunderstood. It's not understood enough. It is judged and is deadly. The NCADV.org statistics list a fact sheet that can be downloaded and contains some very vital information. And it is very, very mind-boggling, if you will. And um, a lot of this, like I said, comes from their website. <clears throat> some of it wording I have worded a little bit here and there, my own wording. <clears throat> but it's also a lot of food for thought. But it is statistics. Facts. <clears throat> On an average, nearly 20 people per minute, 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States during one year. That equates to more than 10 million men and women. Yep. One in four women and one in nine men experience severe intimate partner physical violence, intimate partner contact sexual violence, and or intimate partner stalking with impacts such as injury, fearfulness, PTSD, use of victim services, contracting sexually transmitted diseases, etc. Yes, women. Men are abused. Yes, men. Women are abused. Yes. It is a fact. One in three women and one in four men have experienced some form of physical violence by an intimate partner. This includes a range of behaviors such as slapping, <clears throat> shoving, pushing, and in some cases might even be considered domestic violence. Punching, kicking, throwing things at each other, all domestic violence. One in seven women and 1 in 25 men have been injured by an intimate partner. 1 in 10 women have been raped by an intimate partner. <clears throat> now, even though there are cases that sadly do not get reported for various reasons, data necessarily is unavailable for the number of men that have been raped. Yes, men are ra raped. 
by women. Men are raped by men. Men are gang raped. Women are gang raped. Women are raped by women. Women are raped by men. Guys normally don't report it because they're guys. <laughs> you mean to tell me some little 100 pound woman raped some 250 pound muscular beefy man from the gym uh, military style? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to tell you that because it happens. However, further into this podcast, it does contain a percentage amount statistically. However, having an accurate amount is only as good. Your statistics are only as good as the number of victims that record their violations. So the statistics are only based off of the data that is given to them. So if you have, say, one in seven or one in ten women that are raped, that doesn't mean there's not one in five men that are raped. It just means it hasn't been reported. So statistically speaking, your statistics are only as accurate as what is is reported. One in four women and one in seven men have been victims of severe physical violence. Such as beating, burning, strangling by an intimate partner in their lifetime. One in seven women and one in 18 men have been stalked by an intimate partner during their lifetime to the point in which they felt very fearful or believed that they or someone close to them would be harmed or killed. On a typical day, there are more than 20,000 phone calls placed to a domestic violence hotline nationwide. 20,000 phone calls a day. The presence of guns in a domestic violence situation increases the risk of homicide by 500%. 500%. Intimate partner violence accounts for 15% of all violent crime. Women between the ages of 18 to 24 are most commonly abused by an intimate partner. Our youngins, our newly fresh adults into the world, are most commonly commonly abused by an intimate partner. 90% of domestic violence involves a weapon. And domestic victimization is correlated with a higher rate of depression and suicidal behavior. People that are traumatized and go through things that they may be afraid to share, believe that even happens, seem, may seem surreal that this can't happen. This person is supposed to love me. This person promised me this, you know. Oh my goodness, they weren't like this when we first got married, but now I'm already into it and I have kids and what happened? I must have done something wrong and blah, 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 blah and all these emotions and stuff and you just can't take it no more and you don't know what to do and you don't want to die, but the pain hurts too much. Only 34% of people who are injured by an intimate partner even go and receive medical care for their injuries. 34%. So if we have a 500% homicide risk with gun violence, 34% of injured people only report any medical concerns at all. 
Now, maybe they're not one and the same, or maybe they are. I mean, how hard is it to go into the ER with the person that nearly beat you to death and explain to people in front of you that you fell, that you were in a car accident, that um, you ran into something or you fell down the stairs, or you don't know, you just woke up and you just looked that way. You're at a party and, I don't know, maybe you got drunk or something and, and ran into somebody's fist. I don't know. How hard is it to sit there and tell people that you don't know? Even if nobody is there with you and you're there by yourself and you get the nerve to go into the hospital or wherever it is. It doesn't even have to be into an ER. It could just be a person. How hard is it for you to actually have to admit and relive those moments to somebody, a complete stranger? Very hard. Very overwhelming. Especially when you got to keep repeating it because you seem, when you go into the medical field and you go into the ER, you go to the desk and like, what do you want to be seen for? Well, that's, a, that's an open subject. How do you narrate that and critique that into what you want to be seen for? And of course, you got a room full of people. And even though they have you stand behind the line, really... You know, really, what is that line six feet behind you really blocking you from? So you go in and you have to tell them something. Then the nurse comes in and says, what do you want to be seen for or whatever. Then you have to tell again. <coughs> then the doctor comes in and wants to examine you. And then you have to tell again. Then if any um, legal services are involved at all, then you got to tell it again. Because they just want to keep hearing it. Because obviously they're not going over their notes and reading the notes of whoever originally said, well, this is what they're being seen for. And take care of it all at the same time. So you have to tell the story one time. Or maybe you don't feel like talking about it because you just went through it. And you don't know how to talk about it. So what are you supposed to do? But they, you have these injuries on you that you need to be seen for, but yet you're not ready to talk about it. Because you haven't even yet computed it. So what are you supposed to do? <clears throat> one in five women and one in 71 men in the United States have been raped in their lifetime. Almost half of the female at 46.7% <clears throat> and male 44.9% victims of rape in the United States were raped by an acquaintance. Of these, 45.4% of females rape victims and 29% of male rape victims were raped by an intimate partner. <clears throat> I, my, first, my first husband <clears throat> was very abusive um, in a lot of ways, different ways. I was young, very young. Got married four days after my 17th birthday. Had kids young. Um, <clears throat> I was an at-home mother, raising my kids. I had the perfect family, I guess you could say. At-home mom, taking care of the kids. One boy, one girl, had a dog. You know, the husband worked, provided for the family, and he did. He was a dedicated worker. I'd known him since I was eight years old, so I grew up with him. <clears throat> Knew his family. 
uh, very well because they were part of our family. You know, we all, uh, you know, grew up around them, friends and whatever. And um, I couldn't get a job. I tried to get a job once and he threatened to take my kids if I went and got a job. He was going to take them from me and um, leave if I went and got a job somewhere. I couldn't get my driver's license <clears throat> um, because he wouldn't let me go get them. I didn't know then technically I was married so I was an adult but I didn't really comprehend that at the time because I thought since he was of age, he was 18, that he was, had to sign for me because I didn't know no different. Um, <clears throat> but I held my beginners three times. He wouldn't teach me to drive. Um, so when I turned 18, my youngest sister and I uh, put the kids in strollers and we walked to the license branch and I got my license <clears throat> I came home and he asked what I'd been and I said I went got my license today and he said how'd you do that without my signature I don't need your signature I'm 18 now so <clears throat> he taught me how to drive and he was a very good driving teacher I will give him that I don't hate him we've come a long way since where we were um he has a very strong emotion anyway. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, um, as time went by, <clears throat> I, I, I couldn't go nowhere. I lived, we rented his parents' house. Dad moved um, two and a half hours away and they owned a home in, in Indianapolis and we were renting it from them. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So anyway, we lived there, and um, he was always gone, hunting. I had quit school. I had my senior left to, to do, because um, I you know, had my son young. And I went to summer school to catch up with my grade, and I was going to go back to school. All I had was my last semester of my senior year. <laughs> yeah, my last semester of my senior year. Mental note, fast forward, I did graduate eventually, and I've got three degrees since then. So, <laughs> um so it can be done on but anyway going back so i had my senior year left to do and he was an avid hunter and fisherman and um it was time for me to go back to school in the fall i couldn't go back to school i wasn't allowed to because it interfered with his hunting season and i needed to be home to watch our our kid because he needed to go hunting on my daughter's first birthday, he wasn't at the birthday party because he was at the archery range practicing shooting his bow and arrow. And um, it was just always something. And um, not to mention the verbal abuse that would come across. I had a pair of jeans that my mom had. My, how times have changed now. Um, <clears throat> Because this particular set of jeans had little cut out crisscrosses on the sides of the legs. Just from like, um, just a little bit above the knee down. They had little crisscross criss shapes that were open. <clears throat> and I was only allowed to wear those in the wintertime if I wore long johns under them. If I wore them without long johns, he was going to divorce me and I was a slut. Because I was showing my body. And, um, <laughs> so it just, it just kind of escalated from there. And later on in the relationship, things just got a little bit more difficult. 
and he ended up having an affair on me <clears throat> and um I was going to see a chiropractor at the time because uh, I was in a really bad car wreck when I was pregnant with my son. We took four feet of the railroad track bank out um, on the side in our pickup truck and uh, messed me up. Plus, my son was 9 pounds, 14 ounces, and messed my tailbone up. So, um, <clears throat> I was at chiropractor, and my kids were with me all the time. And um, my son was about four at the time and it would upset him watching the chiropractor popping my neck and doing what he did because he thought he was hurting me so that plays a very important part in paying attention to what your children see and what you think is innocent um and it very well may be but that isn't how they always take it and on one particular night it was raining outside and um I don't remember exactly what started it, um, the argument, <clears throat> but um, I remember he had pinned me up against the wall, and um, no, that wasn't the night, I'm sorry. The raining night was somehow, I don't know exactly how it happened, I ended up falling to the ground in the kitchen, and my, my four-year-old was standing uh, at my head. And my ex-husband was above me, and he had his hands around my throat, choking me and banging my head to the floor. And I placed my leg and pulled my knee in and placed it directly in his midsection, at his waist. I didn't go below the belt or above. I placed it right in the middle. And I kicked him as far across the room of that kitchen as I possibly could to get him off of me. And prior to that night, that was the, the, the final straw for me. But prior to that night, he had pinned me to the wall, left bruises on me, held me up in the air by my throat. Um, but that particular night, when it was raining out, um, I remember my son standing over me crying. And he was upset that daddy was hurting mommy. And I had picked up my ex-husband's bow case. <clears throat> threw it out in the yard in the pouring rain. And just started throwing his clothes out on top of it. And told him to get out. He was not going to abuse me and our kids anymore. I was done with it. Now I had never worked. We had no home phone. I lived in his parents' house that we were renting. <laughs> my ex-husband took my truck away from me. So I had no vehicle. I had a two-year-old and a four-year-old on my hip. When my divorce finally became final, my ex-in-laws upped my rent $150 and took me to court to evict, evict me and my kids, their grandkids, and evicted us. <clears throat> and I'm telling you this story because I understand domestic violence. 
And that was just only one of a few incidences that I've been through with males in my life. And I, I have been raped. <clears throat> I was not a drinker. But I would go to a karaoke bar with my mom. I used to say it was our family reunion because my mom and I would sing. And uh, my mom has always been a musician in the music. I can't talk very well, sorry. In the music part of our life. Always wrote music, played music, sang. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, we would go to karaoke. And I have been in this relationship, which we were not together anymore because he was an alcoholic. And he was very verbally abusive. And he would stalk me all the time. I would come home from work and he would be sitting in my driveway. Or um, <laughs> I went out one time with a friend and he followed us. And um, I mean, there's just several stories actually <laughs> with him. Um, multiple things. But it was always something. I changed my number, so he started calling my son's phone number. Um, he had a shrine, if you will, of everything about me in his basement. And I believe I talked about this sort of in another podcast prior. Um, <coughs> but um, he had this, this display in his basement. He, he took care of his mom, and he lived in the basement. And on the d display <laughs> was everything about me. <clears throat> there was a purple fla uh, fake flower. And I asked him why he had a purple fake flower. He said, because my favorite color is purple. He had a non-chewed, non-chewed piece of gum. And I said, why do you have this here? He said, because you gave that to me one time. He had a penny. I said, what is this penny for? He said, you gave that to me once. Okay. Uh, it's just several things. <clears throat> well, anyway, one particular night, I was at this karaoke place with my mom. And he had come up to me. <clears throat> my mom was standing there. And um, he handed me this drink. I don't even remember what it was. And I told him, I said, I don't drink. I'm not a drinker. He knows that. I walked around there with a pitcher of water and a straw in my hand. I used to have a picture of Pepsi and the straw, but it started giving me headaches. So I started drinking water. Um, but I always drank Pepsi or water. I, I didn't drink alcohol. <clears throat> and I, they got tired of, they tar got tired of me going up there and getting a glass of water or a glass of Pepsi. So they just put, got a picture and dedicated it just for me. So when I would walk over, they just hand me the picture and a straw. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> anyway. He handed me this drink, and he said that he wanted to give it to me as an apology for everything he'd ever done, and he was sorry, and um, I don't remember what the drink was. I don't even know if it was an alcoholic drink or just a fruity drink. I don't even remember. But I looked at him, and I was like, I, why should I, tr I mean, why would I trust you? You know, why would I want anything from you? And <clears throat> my mom took the drink. And took a drink of it. And she said, tastes fine to me. And I was like, okay. So I took the drink. 
That was a Friday night. Sunday. My whole family had been looking for me all weekend. I woke up naked in his basement. To him telling me we both wanted it. I don't really remember the details. I do remember going in and out a little bit. Vaguely. But I don't try to stress too much on trying to remember too much of it. Because I don't want to press any buttons to remember what I don't remember. But I do know the lasting effects that it did hold on me. And my, my children. And my mother. And my friends. <coughs> and um, I got a no contact order against him. I filed it on a Friday. And by Monday, the judge had already signed it for two and a half years. And I did not have to go to court. And the lady told me, I don't know what you wrote in that. I've never really seen a judge just sign off without going to court. But you must have wrote something that got his attention. <coughs> and um, so I do know for a fact that it is real. It does happen. Even if you don't remember it all the way. Doesn't mean it doesn't affect you. And honestly, I never really talked about it. It wasn't until years later when I was in school doing DNA analysis class in college and we were talking about different types of drugs that I realized after they told me this is how naive I was on drugs because <coughs> I didn't do drugs. <coughs> um... That was a date rate drug, D. Oh. Hmm. My teacher just kind of looked at me with blinking during the headlight eyes, if you will, when I'm telling her the story about what had happened. And she's looking at me like, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> and then after, like, all the students just got quiet, my friends, and, you know, I'm here, I am sitting in medical school, and they're all just looking at me like, do you know what you're telling us right now? And, and it didn't dawn on me until... I was like, I, I didn't even know it was really a thing, you know, and, and it is, it has no taste. It has no taste. Stalking is a real thing. <clears throat> Rape is a real thing. 19.3 million women and 5.1 million men in the United States have been stalked in their lifetime. 60.8% of female stalking victims and 43.5% of men reported being stalked by a current or former intimate partner. A study of intimate partner homicides found that 20% of victims were not, they were not by an intimate partner. <clears throat> but instead they were by family members Friends, neighbors, persons who inter interviewed or intervened, and law enforcement responders are by standards. 72% of all murder suicides involve an intimate partner. With 94% of the victims of these murder suicides are females. <clears throat> One in 15 children are exposed to intimate partner violence each year. 
And 90% of these children are eyewitnesses to this violence. And unfortunately, our children grow up. And I always have a saying, our children are innocent until we corrupt them. And we do a, we do a lot of damage to our kids. <clears throat> and sometimes it's not intentionally because, you know, we are learning ourselves in lives as we go and we make mistakes. And a lot of times we are start out life very young. In my case, I was basically 16 years old, married with a kid, you know, and then a couple years later, another kid. And I had to raise and learn life myself during traumatic times in my life. And I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. And it's not an excuse, but it is a fact. And um, unfortunately, our children are witness to a lot of violence in life. And it affects them. And sometimes they do what they learn and they do what they know and they do what they see. And they become that. They become that violence. They become that product of being in that violence. And <clears throat> unfortunately, that's a trauma that should never even happen in the first place. Let alone at the hands of our children. Because that partner that you're injuring and that you're hurting and that you kill, at one point in time, you must have loved to have them children with. Victims of an intimate partner violence lost a total of 8 million days of paid work each year. The cost of an intimate partner violence exceeds $8.3 per year. That's a lot of money. A year. <clears throat> Between 21 to 60% of victims of an intimate partner violence lose their jobs due to reasons stemming from this abuse. Many people lose their jobs because of it. Many people are victims at their jobs because of it. Innocent people at their jobs are victims because of it. <clears throat> Between 2003 and 2008, 142 women were murdered in their workplace by their abuser. So in a five-year time span, 142 women were killed at their job by their abuser. In which 78% of women killed in the workplace during this time frame. 78% of women killed at work. Women abused by their intimate partner are more vulnerable to contracting HIV and STDs. Or STIs. However you want to, initials you want to put it. Due to being forced to have intercourse or prolonged exposure to stress. <laughs> Studies suggest that there is a relationship between the intimate partner and violence and depression and suicidal behavior. Physical, mental, sexual, and reproductive health effects. All have been linked with intimate partner violence, including adolescent pregnancy, 
unintended pregnancy in general, miscarriages, stillbirth, hemorrhaging, nutrition deficiency, abdominal pain, gastrointestinal problems, neurological disorders, chronic pain, disability, anxiety, PTSD, hypertension, cancer, heart disease, the list goes on. Victims of domestic violence are also at a high risk for developing an addiction to alcohol, tobacco, and drugs, or drugs, <clears throat> self-medicating. Although not all, in all cases and situations, abusers repeatedly go to extremes to prevent the victim from leaving. So you feel trapped. In fact, leaving the abuser is the most important time for a domestic, for a victim of domestic violence. <clears throat> and one study found in interviews with men who have killed their wives. So they interviewed males that killed their wives. And um, they either threatened them with separation by their you know, partner or they actually separated. And most often, the participating events, that was what led to the murder. Because the victim was leaving. <laughs> A victim's reasons for staying with their abusers are extremely complex as well. In most cases, based on the reality that their abuser will follow them because they threatened them all the time, that they um, have used to keep them trapped. They use, use it to keep them trapped and feeling like, you know, they have nowhere to go. Nobody will want them. Um, they're no good. This or that or whatever it may be. And the abuser will hurt them and they will kill them. If, you know, or they will hurt to kill the kids. Or if they get with anybody, they will hurt or kill who they get with and their families. And um, they'll win custody of the kids. And they'll take the kids away from them. Or they'll take their pets away from them. And they'll take them through the ringer financially. And, and anything and everything they can. And the list goes on. And as an abused victim, that's more to put in your head and more that you're being raped and abused of. You're alive. They're not only raping your life or, or your, your body and your mind, but they're raping your life away from you. In more ways than one. The victim in violent relationship knows their abuser best and fully knows the extent to which they will go to make sure they have and can maintain control over their victim. So you know your 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 person that's you know violently against you. You know how their their capabilities because they've been using it on you. And say if your you know your abuser is a hunter or is uh, somebody who is very well with firearms or or whatever. There's guns laying around. There's knives laying around. There's other things laying around. There's a lot that can happen. And if you have children, you don't only have just yourself to think about, do you? And some people literally will shield their body over their child and take every bullet for them. 
The victim will, will literally put their life on the line for their child, but not be able to save their child when the trauma of that child is bigger than that bullet going through your body. Because it's got to come out somewhere. Whether they're self-inflicted by the same bullet or they are traumatized by the non-inflictedness of losing you out of their life because of that bullet. Either way, that child died too. Now, the victim literally may not be able to safely escape or protect themselves or the ones they love. In a recent study of an intimate partner homicides, found 20% of homicide victims were not the domestic violence victims themselves, but family members, friends, neighbors, persons who intervened, law enforcement responders, bystanders, they were the victims. So somebody who tried to come in and save them or just happened to be um, associated with the victim suffered the repercussions and the, the fatality because of it. That doesn't mean it's your fault. As a victim, that's not your fault. Don't blame yourself. Please don't blame yourself. Additional barriers to escaping a violence relationship may include, but are not limited to, the fear that the abuser's actions will become more violent and may become lethal if the victim's attempts to leave. So you're afraid it's going to get worse if you leave. And where can you go? Where can somebody go nowadays? Where can you really go to feel protective? Because, you know, Google makes it impossible with face recognition. Or what is it? Um, oh, that uh, Google lens or whatever it is where they can track down your face or whatever like that. Or if you do, they, somebody puts a, a gouger marking on your car. They just need to take a picture of that and look for that marking or that gouge on your car. Or if you have a handicap sticker or a particular, particular license plate or whatever, they just have to put that in there and search for it. So how are you really safe? Where can you really go? <clears throat> you know, uh, you get unsupportiveness from family and friends. Some people just don't want to believe you or think that, um, well, you must like it. You must enjoy it. You must like the drama or maybe you asked for it. You know, or some other kind of bullcrap. You know, when I was showing a family member the bruises on my arms and stuff that my ex-husband had left me. Oh, I can't imagine him doing that. Yeah, well, join the club, lady. <laughs> I mean, I didn't put these here on myself. You know, but just because they can't envision it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Even preachers are violent. Just saying. And I'm not knocking preachers. But I'm just saying. It, it just it goes everywhere. <clears throat> Knowledge of the difficulties of single parenting and reduced financial circumstances. 
the victim feeling that the relationship is a mix of good times, love, and hope, along with the manipulation, intimidation, and fear. So you've got this relationship, you're with somebody, and you love, and you have all these great times, you just went on vacation together, and you had the best time together, and hey, maybe the sex was really even awesome, but then you come home, and maybe you don't even make it home. Maybe you're over the side of the railing of the shipper or the boat, or maybe um, get pushed out of the car and dragged, or maybe you didn't leave the hotel you were staying at. <clears throat> the victim's lack of knowledge of already access to safety and support. So maybe the victim doesn't know where to go. Who can they turn to? And, you know, it's, they've got all these really neat things like, you know, like pizza thing or whatever. But, you know, you can't really try to help a victim by giving the abuser information on mechanisms that could be used. So it's really difficult there. <clears throat> Another um, barrier that the person may suffer is fear of losing custody of their children. If they leave the divorce or the abuser or fear the abuser will hurt or kill them or their kids. Or how are they supposed to get to safety if they got to have these kids in, with them as well? It's easier to hide just one person than this, say maybe three. So do you leave your kids behind to the attacker? To the abuser? How do you, how do you, I mean, it's really a difficult situation, especially if you don't know where to go. Lack of means of support for yourself financially. So if your significant other has all the money or controlling the finances or the bank accounts and you have nothing, what do you do? I did two-year-old and four-year-old, no, no car, no job, no money. I've come a long way. <clears throat> Lack of having somewhere to go. Maybe there's no family or friends who want to help. No money for a hotel, no shelter program, or you know, where you can stay for a length of stay. But if you have no money, what are you supposed to do? So then you're homeless, but then how are you safe if you're on the street? And if you have your kids, how do you keep your kids safe? Especially if you're in the same area. Because then you're going to go to an area you don't know. So then you're going to wander streets that you don't know, you're not familiar with, and you're not... Um, you're even lost getting side streets that you don't know where you're at. You end up in weird neighborhoods that you're not familiar with and you have kids on your hip as well and at least even more situations. <clears throat> you have the fear of being homeless. But then it's a reality. Religious maybe, your cultural beliefs, maybe practices of um, you know, divorce is a no-no. So you're supposed to be somebody's punching bag or you're supposed to get to safety and do you get murdered and killed by your husband or your wife because you don't, your religion says you're not allowed to divorce? Does it say in there that your significant other is supposed to beat the crap out of you and kill you? And trap you in a relationship and rape you and your children? <clears throat> Believe that two parent households are better for the children despite, despite the abuse? So you're trying to give your kids a better life, but I don't know. That's really, that's really a lot to swallow, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. It's a lot to swallow.
that's when you start choking on your own breath. And that's why you're still where you feel like you're trapped in where you are. <clears throat> and my heart goes out to you if you're in that situation right now. Or have been. <clears throat> or know somebody that is. Because it's not fun to sit back and watch and feel helpless on either. In addition to individual obstacles victims face when escaping a violent relationship, society in general present barriers. Society gives barriers for victims when escaping relationships that are violent. A victim's fear of being charged with des deserting their child losing your assets or your custody of your kid if you go and try to save your life and you don't take your child with you you deserted your child by law I guess right but no but yeah but then you're neglecting your kid because you left them in a dangerous situation but yet you're saving your kid because you're removing the violence from the home by removing yourself. <clears throat> but does the violence necessarily stop with you? Anxiety about a decline in living standards for themselves and your children. Reinforcement. Maybe a minister or counselor of saving your relationship at all costs. Rather than making stopping the violence a goal. My ex-husband and I went to counseling. I told him he had to get counseling for his anger, anger control management. <clears throat> and um, maybe we could work on the marriage. But I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything else. Because I did believe in my wedding vows. But I also believed I wasn't going to be his punching bag no more either. And that's the expense of my children. And he agreed to counseling. <clears throat> and when I called the counseling services, <clears throat> they obviously wanted to see me first. And we went to counseling twice a week for a month. It was the best month of my whole entire marriage. But then we got divorced. Um, and I would go around telling everybody I was happily divorced. <laughs> I was happily divorced. Um, another obstacle Maybe discussing uh, dissuasion by the police of the victim following charges. Some may dismiss or downplay the abuse. Side with the abuser maybe. Or maybe not take the victim's account of the abuse seriously. Or maybe the male is the one being abused. But because he's the male and it's usually the female. Uh, this and the other. The male is taken to jail. When in fact maybe he's the one that's the victim. Because like I said, is the 100-pound woman going to beat up and rape a 250-pound muscular workout man? I don't know. Yes. Yes, it happens. <clears throat> a gun or a bullet doesn't know what size you are. And it doesn't always know the direction you are. It just knows that it went off. Despite the issuing of a restraining order, there is little to prevent a released abuser from returning and repeating the abuse. Despite greater public awareness and the increased availability of housing for victims fleeing violent partners, there are not enough shelters 
to keep a victim safe. There just are not. There are not enough resources. But there are resources. But there needs to be more attention to it. Some religious and culture practices that express the divorce that's forbidden. Which I just talked about above a little bit. The socialization of some made to believe that they are responsible. So it's all their fault. And they failed. They must have done something, right? So they need to work on themselves. It's not their abuser's fault. It's their fault. They must have provoked them. <coughs> Maybe they're isolated from friends and family. And, you know, they have... Uh, nobody's to go to and they're isolated and nowhere to turn. You know, maybe um, the abuser's behavior it must be caused by stress. It must be caused by alcohol or work problems or unemployment or some other factors. It has to be something. There's a reason why he, he or she's acting this way, right? Try to rationalize it. Other factors that teach women to believe that their identities and feelings of self-worth are contingent upon getting and keeping a man. You know, I've got scars, <coughs> external scars, several places on my body. <coughs> um, I've had a C-section. I've had a hysterectomy. I've had a breast reduction. I've got external scars from anxiety, depression, um, where I was, um, you got cutters, pickers, burners, self-mutilation. I was a picker. I've got external scars on my arms and other parts of my body from subconsciously um, picking, just picking at my skin. Where I had to wear ace bandages um, around my arms. Literally, to keep myself from picking at them. And I could constantly hear my daughter and my ex-boyfriend, um, fiancé, whatever. Um, <clears throat> stop picking. Stop picking. Leave your arms alone. Leave your face alone. Leave your chest alone. Leave your legs alone. And I wouldn't even realize I was doing it. Inconsistency of abuse during nonviolent phases. The abuser may fulfill the victim's dreams of a romantic love. The victim may also rationalize the abuser as basically good until something bad happens. And then they have to let off some steam. I had this one guy I was with. <coughs> and I tried to re reverse psychology um, to get him out uh, because he was very violent. <laughs> And, um, every time I thought I had it in the bag, he'd give me what I called a suck-up gift. And, um, yeah, that was, that was another deep emotional, uh, moment. Um, he actually ended up going to jail, um, a couple of times for beating up a couple of his ex-girlfriends. And, um, I got, um, a messed up knuckle. Um, from defending myself against him. 
And I jabbed him a couple times with a screwdriver to get him off of me. To where my mom was going to get me a holster for it as a joke. <laughs> and my mom's got stitches in her leg uh, where he tried to come at me and she took him down. And she landed in what was left of my living room uh, because he had broke every single thing in my living room. And took the phone and smashed it to the coffee table so I couldn't call for help. Anyone can be an abuser. They come from all groups, all cultures, all religions, all levels of backgrounds, and all levels of money. They can be your neighbor, your minister, your friend, your child teacher, a relative, a co-worker, a judge, a police officer, a fireman. Your cable man. It could be anybody. One study found 90% of all the abusers do not even have a criminal record. In fact, abusers are generally law-abiding out citizens outside of the home. Perfect alibi, right? <clears throat> now, what traits do abusers have in common? There's no one typical personality of abuser. However, they all do often commonly display characteristics. An abuser often denies the existence or minimizes the seriousness of the violence and its effect of the victim and any of the family members. An abuser objectifies the victim and often sees them as their property or their sexual objects. If you're with them, then they're yours, right? Property. You're with me, you have sex with me. When I say we have sex, because that, we're together. I want it, you're going to give it to me. That's not right. An abuser has low self-esteem and feels powerless and ineffective in the world. He or she may appear successful, but internally they feel inadequate. An abuser, uh, the causes of their behavior, they blame their violence on circumstances such as stress, their partner's behavior, having a bad day, the drugs or the alcohol, or the, you know, they, they were drunk and they don't remember. An abuser may be pleasant and charming, between the periods of being violent and is often seen as a nice person to others outside of the relationship and they're so charming and so romantic and then bam <clears throat> not so much anymore what are the warning signs of an abuser some of these may also show signs of someone protecting themselves after coming out of an abuse. And I'm saying this because a lot of times when you're a victim of an abuse of a relationship, you protect yourself. You try. You have insecurities. You have triggers. You have uh, warning signals that go off in you. And your PTSD kicks in. 
Now all these are can be red flags and warning signs of an abuser as well. <clears throat> Extreme jealousy. <clears throat> Maybe they're insecure. Possessiveness. Abandonment. Maybe they have been abandoned by uh, someone. Or they have been abandoned. Or they have abandoned you. Unpredictable. <clears throat> or maybe someone tries not to display a pattern. Example, goes a different way home each time or on occasion. You know, their actions are very unpredictable. They don't try to do the same things. <clears throat> Have a bad temper. Maybe they're in defensive mode. Because they've had someone take their temper out on them. Cruelty to animals. Maybe they're afraid of animals. Maybe they've been attacked by animals. Verbal abuse. Sometimes it's a pattern by your upbringing. Extreme controlling behavior. <clears throat> Maybe somebody's OCD. Maybe they're military-based life. Need things in a certain order. Demand things to be in a certain order. Beliefs about roles of the women and men in a relationship. Maybe it's old-fashioned, brought up to religious beliefs, barefoot and pregnant, <clears throat> in the kitchen, woman's places in the home, <clears throat> only have sex to have children, and you have it the way that they say you have it because, well, you're the woman. Not always necessarily. Dominancy. Force sex or disregard of their partner's unwillingness to have sex. May think just because that they're in a relationship that it's not considered rape because they're in a relationship together. Well, I couldn't have raped them because, well, we're in a relationship because this is my person and I, we love each other and we have kids there. So, no, I didn't, I didn't rape them. We both wanted it. Oh, those words. Sabotage of birth control methods. A refusal to honor not getting pregnant. <clears throat> some may get pregnant or make someone pregnant on purpose as a form of trapping someone <clears throat> or making them feel trapped. Blaming the victim for anything bad that happens. Telling the victim that they set them off or they are responsible for the reaction of them. They must have done something to deserve it, right? <laughs> Sabotage or obstruct of the victim's ability to work or attend school. Not letting them further themselves or tries to rip someone's self-esteem and worth. <laughs> my ex-husband. <coughs> my second, my second ex-husband. I was married twice. <laughs> my second ex-husband was an alcoholic. <laughs> um... <clears throat> <laughs> I worked um original lab. I used to do um, organ and tissue donation donation and procurement and uh, fertility and, and different things. And um, anyway, I would be in my office um, or in my lab, and um, <coughs> my ex-husband would walk in the door. 
And he'd be like, hey, you want to go to lunch? And I'm thinking, oh, great. He's drove over to work, take me out to lunch. How nice. You know, that must be nice, you know? No. No, 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 no. He drove to work so I would take him to lunch because he was hungry. And then he would sit in my office or in my, my boss's office chit-chatting and not leave. And sit there with my iPad or something and play some little game on there or whatever. And um, I'm just looking at him going, seriously, dude, I'm like really at work right now. <clears throat> and um, he was a union carpenter, but he never worked. He was always um, <laughs> cough, cough, laid off. And he would draw his unemployment, <clears throat> but for the nine years I was with him, he never once paid a bill. Never once. Uh, instead, he tore and gutted my house out while I was at work, which is a totally different uh, podcast. <laughs> um, but I believed in my wedding vows, and I tried to hold it together. <clears throat> and um, it was... Uh, a lot of mental, mental and verbal uh, abuse, big time. Um, and it was always, um, he always, I got blamed for everything. Even if I didn't do it, it was my fault. He didn't even have to um, live with me. I had kicked him out and um, he was cussing me out on my voicemail. <clears throat> because he fell down the stairs at his mom's house drunk and I, I must have done it to him. <laughs> I was asleep at home. <laughs> but it was my fault. It was my fault. He fell down the stairs at his mom's house drunk. And I hurt his arm uh, while I was asleep at my house. <laughs> um, and I can laugh about it now. But it was not a laughing moment then. <clears throat> um, yeah. So, I mean, it's... Uh, the abuse of other family members. Children's or pets moves you away or isolates you from other people so there's no outside interference or giving them the power and control over the victim with leaving them nowhere to run accusations of the victim flirting with somebody or having an affair a victim from a previous relationship may have that had maybe diminished their self-worth or esteem making them constantly be um questioning their own self-worth and esteem, maybe, to where they have to keep abusing. They they, they misconstrued flirting um, or accusations with somebody just being nice. You know, the, the one dude that I was with that I had to use reverse psychology on or whatever. I worked at Walmart when I was younger. <clears throat> and um, we both worked at Walmart. Third shift. He works in the back. I work soft and shelves. And this customer came up to me and was asking me about medium uh, toothbrushes. <clears throat> I didn't know what he was talking about. I'm like, medium toothbrushes? What do you mean medium? I did not know at the time. I was young. And you can laugh if you want to. I'm okay with it. Well, I can't hear you anyway, but I laugh about it now. But there are different types of intensity of toothbrushes. Soft, medium, hard, whatever. And he was running a medium. I thought that was funny. So I was laughing. <clears throat> well, my dude had just happened to walk by, dropping a pallet at that time. Saw me laughing with some dude customer. All of a sudden, I was doing this, that, and the other. Because I was doing my job, customer service. And I was laughing. How dare me. 
control of the victim of what the victim wears and how they act. Yeah. Um, demeaning the victim either privately or publicly. Victims of domestic violence do not bring violence upon themselves. <clears throat> they do not maintain a specific zip code, a specific time frame, a, spe a specific sex or color or shape or size or lifestyle. They do not always lack self-confidence, <clears throat> nor are they just as abusive as the abuser. Violence in relationships occur when one person feels entitled to power and control over their partner and chooses to gain abuse, to use abuse, I'm sorry, to gain and maintain control. In relationships where domestic violence exists, violence is not equal. It's malicious. Even if the victim fights back or it instigates violence in an effort to defuse a situation, there is always one person who is the primary constant source of the power, the control, and the abuse in the relationship. <clears throat> Sometimes the victim later can become the abuser in the relationship or in another. While every relationship differs, and all abusive relationships vary, as well as different types of tactics. An abuser may use to gain power and control over their victims. It's still wrong. Nearly 3 in 10 women and 1 in 10 men in the United States alone have experienced rape, physical violence, stalking, and reported at least one impact related to experiencing these or other forms of violence behavior in the relationship. <clears throat> Feeling fearful, concerned for their safety, developing post-traumatic stress disorder, need for health care, injury, crisis support, need for housing services, need for victim uh, advocacy series, need for legal services, and missing work and school. Physical and sexual assaults or threats to commit them are the most apparent forms of domestic violence and are usually the actions that make others aware of the problem. However, regular use of other abusive behaviors by the abuser when reinforced by one way or another acts of physical violence make up a larger scope of the abuse. Although physical assault may occur only occasionally, they still instill fear of future violent attacks and allow the abuser to control the victim's life and circumstances. So maybe they've only, oh, he, they've only hit me just once, just that one time. But they still, that one time has done something to you. You know, abuse is cynical. There may be periods of times where things may seem to be calmed down. Maybe a year or two maybe went by and nothing bad has happened. And then you think the abuser has changed. But all those times followed up by buildups of tension and abuse which usually result in the abuser peaking with intensified abuse. 
The cycle then often starts to repeat, commonly becoming more and more intense as time goes on. Each relationship is different, and not every relationship follows the exact pattern. <clears throat> Some abusers um, may cycle rapidly, while others may take longer stretches of time between. Regardless, abusers purposely use numerous different tactics to abuse and continue to make the victim afraid to gain control. <clears throat> and basically, the abused victim just wants to feel safe and doesn't wants the abuse to end, but not necessarily the relationship. <clears throat> They feel isolated, depressed, feeling helpless and worthless, being unaware of any things to help them, or knowing who to go to to help them, feeling like people are judging them as they reveal and tell people about the abuse, or maybe they're in denial. They might be withdrawn emotionally distance themselves purposely from family and friends. Maybe they become impulsive or aggressive. Or they become financially dependent on the abuser. <clears throat> Feel guilt related to the relationship. Feeling shame. <clears throat> having anxiety, depression. Believe that they're worth nothing and that nobody will want them. That they're damaged goods. They don't want to die but they just want the pain to stop. So they have suicidal thoughts. <clears throat> they self-medicate. Alcohol or drug abuse. Hoping that their abuse will change. And having no support. <clears throat> Feeling alone. Isolated. With a person that they are afraid to admit that they still love. But they do. Trying to hold on to the good things. And then maybe the bad things won't be so violent. But they are. You can't control an abuser's use of violence. <clears throat> you can plan, however, on how to respond to future abusive and violent incidences if you're prepared. And try to make a game plan. Try to think. You know, I, I can sit here and keep reading verbatim, word for word, of whatever this um, stuff is that I have typed out. You know, because they can put tracking devices on your vehicle. They can put tracking devices on your car. They can put tracking devices on your phone. They can know your whereabouts. They can make um, accounts on your phone, a parental accounts on your phone, so they can keep tabs on you. They can make a guest account on your phone or, or wherever. They can link your phone to your car. They can link their phone to your car, <clears throat> to your Bluetooth. There's all kinds of things that they can do. So how does one feel safe? That's questions I hope that we, as a group in unity of this world, find answers to. 
one way or another. And I can sit here and keep going over this, that, and the other. But the fact of the matter comes down to this. <clears throat> People need to keep their hands to themselves. People need to keep their, their words. If they don't have nothing nice to say, then don't say it. And if you're thinking it, then maybe you need to work on you on why you're thinking it instead of taking that abuse out on somebody else that you're supposed to love. How can you sit here and lay down with somebody and have a child with them or tell somebody you love them and marry them or have somebody in your life that is supposed to mean everything and all these promises that you've said to them but yet somebody that you say that you are protect and you would kill for or you would die for but instead you're the one killing them and you're just dying to do it. And if you're a victim, there's no easy answer. There's not. There's no easy outcome. There's no easy anything when you're a victim. And some abusers are victims themselves. And the first step is to remember your self-worth. But that's easier said than done, isn't it? Because you're made to feel worthless. So how can you, <clears throat> how can you take all the negative and replace it with positive? For every negative thing that you have heard Ricochet it with a positive. <clears throat> Somebody comes up here and says, You know what? Um, you look pretty big in that outfit. Okay. Maybe it might not be the most flattering outfit. Or maybe those people need to get their eyes looked at. Maybe it's not about what everybody else sees, it's, but it's how you feel. And maybe it's not necessarily a good example, but people are too busy judging people to making people feel self-worthless. And that is a big part of our society today. If we were more understanding and less judgmental on each other, There'd be so many great things in this world going on with everybody. <clears throat> but unfortunately, that's not the way it is. <clears throat> so as a victim, what do you do? Where do you go? What's your game plan? Do you have phone numbers that you write down and try to hide them somewhere? And have like a uh, an escape bag? Or an escape box? Or uh, a plan of action? Well, how can you do that if your abuser is always around... Never leaves you alone with anybody and monitors your every move. <clears throat> what if they mark your tires to see if you've even left for the day? Or put some type of pedometer thing on your phone that you don't know, some kind of hidden app, and tracks how many steps you have that you take with your phone. No, I... This... <sighs> 
This is a lot I know I'm throwing at you. This is a lot probably making your head spin. But if you don't know where to turn, <clears throat> and if you're good with numbers at all, there are a couple numbers that you can remember. <clears throat> Obviously, 911. Um, 211 is an information line. Um, the suicide helpline is 988. They can provide with you help, guidance, security, mental stability, and peace of mind. <clears throat> but they can also hook you with resources. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> 988. There's also information. Now, information used to be just 411, but they charge. But the toll-free number for 411 is 800-FREE-FREE-411. And that's information on shelters and places to go. But if all else fails, call 988 911 211 Those three-digit numbers are easy to remember in your head. <coughs> and if you get a chance, I invite you to check out the website ncadv.org. They have a lot of information. They provide you with areas um, that one may not even have a chance to think about at a time in survival. Being prepared sometimes is king, key factor in survival. And they have a lot of resources on there and you can also obtain a copy of a variety of materials and education resources and a list of places and organizations that are trained and available dedicated to help you now there are cell phones that have the ability to store emergency contacts in so you can just press a certain dialing number with a message on it and it sends it to it. And um, there's a lot of things. Or you can have uh, a second phone, a decoy, if you will. <clears throat> have the phone somewhere buried or placed somewhere and don't have the battery in with it and make sure the battery is fully charged as a backup phone. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, I have a lot of other information on here, different examples. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever saw the movie Sleeping with the Enemy with Julia Roberts. Or the movie Enough with J-Lo. Both domestic violence surviving women in those movies. Unfortunately, though, I only have a minimum amount, a maximum amount of time, rather, to talk about things on this podcast. And I think it's a two-hour cutoff, and I believe I'm at a minute, or a minute, <laughs> a minute, uh, an hour and a half. There's a lot in one minute, in it? <laughs> an hour and a half already. So with that being said, I would like to try to give some information <clears throat> on some different resources for victims and survivors of domestic violence in the National Crisis Organizations and Assistance. These are phone numbers. However, if you go to the website that I spoke about, this information is on there. 
Now, I'm not going to give all of these. Um, I will give a few. But there are a lot of resources out there. But there's not as many as what there need to be. There are safe places to go. <clears throat> I have donated um, furniture and stuff to women batter shelters before um, in the city that I lived in. <clears throat> and they would not let me know the location um, to go to. But they let me know where the drop-off site was. And they would get it and then take it to the location because it was that secure. But that was back in the early 2000s. Um, so we have evolved and de-evolved a lot since then. <clears throat> so that being said, um, the first one I have is the National Domestic Violence Hotline. That is www.n, as in Nancy, D as in David, V as in Victor, H as in Henry, dot org. Phone number is 800-799-SAFE, 7233. So it's 800-799-7233. Another one is the National Child Abuse Hotline. www.childhelp.org Phone number is 800-4-A, as an apple, child. So the number is 800-4-A-CHILD. And if you press the numbers, it's 800-422-4453. <coughs> the next one is National Sexual Assault Hotline www.r as in rainbow, a as in apple, i as in ice cream, n as in nancy, n as in nancy, dot org. Phone number is 800 800-656-4673. 800-656-4673. <coughs> Next one is National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. www.suicidepreventionlifeline.org 800-273-8255 Now there are numerous ones on here that I can continue to keep going on. But unfortunately, I do not have enough time in this podcast per se, and I could continue it. But please go to this website if you can to check out these resources. There are pages and pages and pages of very well organized resources for you. <clears throat> and I could not stress enough. How much it is important to remember that being a victim is exactly what it is. 
being a victim. Nobody says, oh, you're a fault. No, you're a victim. Not a fault. It's not your fault. You didn't make somebody pick up their hand and punch you or hit you or pick up their foot and kick you or throw something at you. You didn't make somebody pick up a gun or a knife and come at you or your child. You didn't make anybody do anything. The only thing that you are responsible for doing is realizing what you are. <clears throat> worth saving. You are worth saving. Please get help if you need help. And if you need additional resources or if you just even want to reach out to me, please feel free to do so. I have no problem in helping you, talking to you, or just giving you moral support. <clears throat> if you have a subject you want to talk about or want me to talk about, eventually in time I would like to do live stream uh, podcasting. Uh, but until my mouth completely heals, I do not want to do that. <laughs> um, but that is on my list. And I plan to hopefully have uh, guest speakers <clears throat> and talk about a lot of things. And uh, feel free, please, to check out my other podcast. This is my eighth one, so I have seven other ones. Um, but I just wanted to make sure that Everybody realizes that when you're in a domestic relationship, it doesn't mean it has to be violent. It, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be violent. And I don't care if you're a man or a woman. <clears throat> you're still a victim. Somebody calls you names, puts you down, makes you feel worthless. Makes you feel less of this and that and the other. Maybe you're a big man. So you're made fun of. Your weight. Your height. Maybe you're a short man. Look, you know, like a hobbit. You're still a person. And you still matter. And it's still not your fault. I don't promote divorce. But I will promote safety. I will not belittle working on marriages and believing in wedding vows. But I will amplify saving your sanity, <clears throat> your self-worth, and your life. Because your children... If you're staying for your children, it's just going to repeat the cycle or the chances are very great. And they and you are worth more than that. And people can change. They can change with the right help. 
your marriage and your relationship is not doomed if you both work hard with the right resources and with the right atmosphere and the right intervention. Don't do it on your own. Especially if you don't feel safe. And as an abuser, if you don't feel safe in the company of your loved one, and you know that you have maybe uh, an anger problem, if you will, there's no shame in you getting help. As a matter of fact, I applaud you. And it's more of a heroic thing to do, admitting it and getting help, than not. Because you're worth it just the same, too. Because somewhere along the line, you were a victim somewhere as well. It's not an excuse. But you're still worth it. Abusers and victims are still worth saving with the right resources. And um, there's just a lot to say, but it's just um, it's just not an easy subject at all. It really isn't. And my heart goes out to everybody that this has affected in one way or another. And I hope and I pray that this will not need to be a subject <clears throat> that needs to go in deaf ears. And I hope and I pray that you realize that if you are someone that is witnessing someone going through something, you might be that only person that person has. Don't judge them. You can't even imagine being in their shoes. Even if you're a victim yourself, you're not that victim. <clears throat> Don't take your <clears throat> opinion and overshadow whatever it is they're going through. Use it to help them, but don't use it to judge them. Everybody's situation is different. But don't feel guilty by intervening either. It might just be what they need for everybody to survive. <clears throat> but as somebody who intervenes, make sure you're protected as well. Because your life is worth it too. Thank everybody who's taken the time out to listen to my podcast. And I hope this all has made sense and has helped in some way or another. And I'm sorry if there's glitches in this with my talking. And I actually had to pause about three or four times because I do take care of my mother who is blind and disabled. <clears throat> and I've had to pause a few times to go help her. Um, so I'm not really for sure if that's what was noticed in this. But if it was, I apologize if there's any glitches and I hope this all makes sense. Um, I have so much to say, but I'm just kind of lost for words because this is a very emotional subject for myself as well. So I'm trying not to let my PTSD kick in on my um, 
trauma, like I said, I have not touched base on a lot of things in my mind. And sometimes when you talk about or think about one thing, it ricochets into several. And sometimes um, the echoing in our own minds is louder than our voices on the outside world. So, um, 911-211-988. Those three phone numbers are very important. And so are you. This has been Dee. And you've been listening to my podcast. Let me clear my throat. Sticks and stones may break my bones. That doesn't mean you have to use them on me. I hope everybody has a safe and blessed night.